Hi there, it's Dee, and let's have another vlog, shall we? Yes, we shall. So today we're gonna to talk about how to warm up your voice in five minutes. So, before I get to my little how-to part of it, I wanna talk about some myths and some facts and some reasons why this should matter to you, okay? So first of all, myth, one, I'm not a public speaker. I do not know how many times people have admitted to me that they don't do a warm-up before speaking in public. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily Uncle Bob or Auntie Aaliyah. I'm talking about people who speak for a living, right? Oh, you say, well, then that doesn't apply to me. Oh, really? Let's test that theory. Do you fit any of these categories? You're an executive, a teacher, a parent, um, someone who sees patients all day, somebody who sees clients all day, somebody who spends their days on Zoom. Uh, you give directions all day, you give information all day, you explain things all day. Um, you run fitness classes, you're a politician, salesperson, a you run a faith group or community, um, or you're a public speaker. Starting to get the point? Right. Most of us are actually public speakers and possibly Uncle Bob and Auntie Elia too. So I know what you're saying. You're saying right now, yeah, but those aren't really public speakers, right? So it doesn't count. Well, except for that last one who was like a public speaker. And again, I say to you, oh, really? What you really mean when you say that is that you are to stand in front of a bunch of people while being looked at and judged and, oh, God, perhaps your life and professional and uh, personal career will be over because you aren't a professional and you don't look good enough and you don't sound like a pro and, and you're just not that kind of public speaker. Can I get an amen? So the fact is, the larger majority of people are, in truth, public speakers. They just don't think of it that way because they believe public speaking is only a formal, arranged, anxiety-ridden, last-minute panicked because I didn't bother to get my crap together before now kind of thing. If, okay, if you have to speak as part of your day-to-day -day job or your day-to-day -day interaction with the world, you are a public speaker, period. So that leads us to our fact. Our fact is your voice is a vital tool. So as a result of all this that I've talked about already, your voice is the key tool in the execution of your job or career or lifestyle, right? So what happens when your voice goes? What happens when you do irreparable damage? Think of it this way. We have the technology and know-how to replace hearts and lungs. We do not have the technology to replace vocal folds or vocal cords. So 
before you say something like, well, I don't use my voice like a public speaker or I don't use my voice as much as a public speaker, I'm going to stop you. So have you ever heard of vocal disorder or burnout syndrome in teachers? It's a thing. Look it up. Um, doctors have something like that. Salespeople have something like that. And, and, and. You get the point, right? So realistically, many jobs actually use the voice more than a professional public speaker. Because remember, a professional public speaker isn't talking all the time necessarily, right? They might be writing speeches, doing research, preparing, that sort of thing, and practicing. But the actual amount of time that they are speaking is a lot less. Of course, you've got people like Tony Robbins, and that's a different kettle of fish entirely. Um, but on the average, public speakers often don't speak as much as other people do. So the problem is that the people, which is the majority of people, who are doing more speaking than public speakers in their day-to-day -day life are also the same people who don't have the training or skills or understanding that they need in order to take care of their voices properly, right? And that's something called vocal hygiene. You've probably heard of something called sleep hygiene before, right? So sleep hygiene is the proper way to manage or sort of to, to prepare, to manage, to ritualize your sort of um, sleep environment and patterns so that you maximize the quality of your sleep and you minimize the negative consequences of unhealthy sleep-related choices. Make sense? Well, there is actually a whole world of voice hygiene as well, or vocal hygiene. And it exists for exactly the same reason that sleep hygiene exists, right? So in other words, it's the preparation, maintenance, and ritualization of voice practices that maximizes the natural abilities and potential and quality of your voice while minimizing the potential neg negative consequences of unhealthy choices. So, this is something that we should know. So, a myth. I don't need to know about my voice. <clears throat> I use it just fine. Frequently, at about this point in the conversation, I get mm, two kind of different um, types of reactions. The first is that I'm not a singer, so I don't need to know this stuff. And the second is I'm already a naturally good public speaker, so I don't need to know any of this stuff. Wrong and wrong. So I've worked with people across just about every discipline imaginable and, and then some. And without fail, unless they are trained, which is a very small percentage, uh, there are a few things they have in common. So one, they have little understanding of how the voice, so the speaking voice, works. And that includes doctors, by the way. 
So the second thing is they don't know how to support their voice with their breath. And if they know anything at all, it's usually something like, uh, I'm supposed to breathe from my diaphragm or speak from my diaphragm. And I say, okay, tell me about that. And then it's a blank because they don't actually know what that means. So the third thing is they have little or no training in effective voice view, effective voice use and expression skills. Okay. And number four, they really don't know anything about vocal hydration. And hint, coffee's not it. And number five is they regularly cold start, meaning they go from periods of prolonged silence to periods of high volume speaking. And by high volume, I mean amount, not um, volume volume, like loudness volume, okay? That's a different thing. So this list that I just gave you pretty much epitomizes the no-no list of vocal hygiene. There, I could add other things to the list, but it's a pretty good sampler to start with. So, because we're really going to focus on one of them really today. So I've always found it super interesting that we place so much educational emphasis on reading and writing, both of which are critical. And, and I am not saying they're not, okay? Just to be totally clear. But, but we are more than lax when it comes to listening and speaking education, right? So frankly, we listen and speak on average more than we read and write. It's just for most people, that's true, right? Once you, once you reach adulthood. So yet we somehow think that because when we're, we're growing up, we're told to listen, that that automatically means we're good at it, which I think if we stop and think about it, we can all agree is probably not true. So if you want to know more about that in the, in the actual blog, you'll see a link to my last blog, which talked about how to listen instead of just hear. Okay. So similarly with the spoken part of it, the spoken language, we're learning it from birth, right? So we know how to speak. Well, while we know how to make sound and we know how to use words to convey meaning or, or attempt to convey meaning, um, we cannot assume that that means we're good at it or that we're doing so in a safe and healthy manner. In fact, most times that's kind of not true. So <clears throat> here's our fact, our last fact, and that is warming up your voice is quick, easy, and critical. So many, if not most people assume that aging, right, that you get an old person's voice, airy, crackly, weak, pitchy, lacking crispness and, and um, color. And that's just what happens when you age, right? Nope. For a lot of people, that's what happens, but it is not guaranteed. So here's a little experiment you can try, okay? In the blog, you're going to find uh, links to 10 different little YouTube clips. And I'd like you to listen to a little bit of each of them, okay? And you might actually have to listen more than once 
to hear the differences. So in the order, the first one is older and the second one is younger, but they're the same person. And then the next person, same thing, older and then younger, older than and then younger. So I have five people I've pulled um, information or samples from, okay? And they are Sir Anthony Hopkins, Glenn Close, Denzel Washington, Viola Davis, and Sir Michael Caine. You're going to have to listen carefully, like I said, and it's remarkable because, for instance, in the Michael Caine example, there's only 50 years difference between the older one and the younger one. So <clears throat> you might be saying, hold up a minute. And before you point out that these people are Oscar winning actors and therefore should uh, have impeccable voices. And before you argue that they were born with it, I'm going to shoot you down. Sure, Denzel Washington's voice is rich and mellifluous. It's a beautiful voice, right? But when you listen to the samples, you're going to see that it's just as beautiful at 65 as at 45, okay? At around age 50, men and women's voices both start to, to age more, let's call it aggressively, okay? Um, but only if they aren't cared for. Okay, same as the rest of our bodies. Why would you think your voice was any different? It's not. Um, so, of course, many people's voices go to hell before that, long before that in some cases, because of mm, lifestyle and behavioral choices. So, for instance, going to your favorite football game and screaming your face off every week, you're going to pay for that. Fact. You're a smoker, you're going to pay for that too. Fact. Okay? So... Why then are these talented performers showing little sign of wear and tear on their voices despite the nature of what they do and despite the passage of time? And you've likely guessed the answer. Vocal hygiene. They take care of their voices. They warm up. They don't strain their voices. So you you can take advantage of the same tools and techniques that they use. Easy. You can do it quickly, easily, and with great long-term results. So, finally, how to warm up your voice in five minutes. So, while you can definitely spend like 45 minutes warming up your voice, like I kid you not, in professional theater school, that's, that's kind of the norm, okay? That's not realistic for the average person. It just isn't. So what I'm offering you here is something that you can do in your car, in your home office, in your shower, when you're walking your dog, um, wherever you are that allows two things. It has to allow that you're going to be able to do it right before you have to do a lot of speaking, right? There can be a few minutes interval and stuff like that. Um, but it can't be like two hours before, which I'm sure makes some sense. And the second thing is, oh, and that's why going in the bathroom is a great thing to do. 
if you are at a speaking event, you'll hear people in the bathroom warming up. That's just a thing. Or they'll be outside warming up. Normal. But the second thing is, when you're doing the warm-up, you have to fully vocalize. And this is where people get weird. Because people get really unnerved by making a bunch of random sounds out into the air. And so they do, they kind of pull back, right? And so they kind of whisper it or half voice it, thinking that, oh, well, that's the same thing. It's good enough. Actually, no, it's not. It's worse. It's actually worse for you. You're better off to just shut up. But I'm not advising that. I'm advising to warm up, okay? So we'll take up another day why that whispering warm-up trick is like a bad one, but not today. So now, let's look at how you can get your warm-up practice off the ground in virtually no time at all. So what we're going to do right now is, for your entertainment, I'm going to walk you through the warm-up. I'm going to demonstrate it. So um, am I going to look goofy? I am going to look goofy. But if there's something you've learned about me by now, it's that I don't care if I look goofy. You know what? Life's too short. So first of all, step one is to warm up your face. Totally not kidding. Okay. So we're going to start with a Cheshire cat, um, cat grin. So like from Alice in Wonderland. And then pucker. I'm going to do that rapidly. 10 times back and forth. Okay. Then we're going to switch it up. We're going to wrinkle our noses and then open our mouth wide and stretch our tongue. Again, 10 times and try to keep your eyes open because a lot of the time when we do the wrinkle, we go. So, you know, check on that. So that's your face. Okay, and then we're going to align your shoulders and stretch your neck. Now, some people like to put this part before the face part. I like to do the face part first. Potato, potato. So you're going to need a mirror for this because we often aren't really tuned in to our alignment. So we think we're straight and then we look in the mirror and we find out that we're kind of like this or we have a shoulder that's all wonky. Okay, so you want a mirror so you can see what you're doing, okay? And as you do this over time, you're going to get far deeper and better body awareness and you'll know where things are and should be. That takes time, okay? So you want to make sure that your shoulders are rolled back and pulled down. So I've done other clips about this. So I'll show you when it's not like that and then I'll show you when it is, okay? I'm not doing the military that sort of thing. Did you hear my voice change? That's why we don't do that. That causes all kinds of tension in here. We'll talk about the breathing in that part another day. So you're going to roll your shoulders back and drop them down. So it's almost like a little pinch in the back, but not too much. You're not trying to overdo it. What you're trying to do is feel your shoulder blades flat or your scapula uh, flat. Okay. And once you've got that, then you're going to stretch your neck. Okay. And we are not going to roll our necks important. So our shoulders are in place. We're going to drop down like this. You're going to hear my voice change. You're looking for the stretch in the back there. Then you're going to do left to right or right to left, whichever you want. Again, you want a nice stretch, but you don't want to, you know, hurt yourself or anything. Okay. And you're going to keep those shoulders down and back, right? We're trying to lengthen through here. And what that's doing is it's helping us relax 
this throat area and making sure that we're nice and um, loose and balanced so that our voice can come out as fully as possible. Remember, everything here is connected. Okay, you can't just say your voice comes from here and that's it. If the whole thing is your voice, your whole body is your voice. Okay, so once you've done side to side, now you're going to drop your head back. But there's something special that you're going to do here. What you're going to do is you're going to really feel for your tongue. And your tongue goes all the way down into here. If you like put your finger here and go, feel that movement, that's your tongue. Your tongue is huge. Okay, so we're going to want to feel a stretch in here. So back. And I go till I hear, feel a stretch right in here. Mm. And if I want to add to it, I go, mm. right? But you don't want to if you have an aggravated neck. You don't want to hurt yourself, right? So, I mean, use your common sense, please. So that's our step two. Now, step three, we're going to fill our mouths with sound, okay? So lightly with the lips together, but the teeth are not together. So no clenching. Lightly together. And a hum that's going to feel like it's tickling just on the inside of your lips. So, make sure your tongue stays nice and relaxed and your jaw. And then I want you to think about opening your teeth up while your lips are closed. So you're going to create a cave space. Listen to the sound difference. Hear that? There's a word for that. That's called resonance. So that's that rich, full sound. The more we can get that full sound going, the more musical um, our voices are, the more expressive they are, and frankly, the further they travel with less effort. But for now, we just want to fill our mouths with sound. Okay? And if you feel like your jaw's getting tense while you're doing that, mm, wiggle your jaw just to keep things nice and like greased, right? Nice and loose. Cause you don't want to lose the good work you've done already. And the last thing is you're going to mobilize your articulators and your articulators are the movable parts of your mouth that help you shape sound. Okay. So what you're going to do is you're going to repeat a couple of sound patterns. You don't have to remember wonky tongue twisters and stuff though. If you like tongue twisters, go find yourself some and have fun. So the first is you're going to repeat p and then buh, puh, buh. Puba 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 ten times. You'll probably start to make gibberish noises before you're done. Then you're gonna move over to t and d. Now watch, jaw can start to do wonky things now. And then k and g. Keep the tongue nice and loose because it'll try to bunch up here. Then I want you to take the alphabet. And it doesn't have to be the English alphabet. It can be whatever alphabet you have, okay? But what you want to do is you want to over, um, almost over enunciate, over shape the sounds. So A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. And then numbers. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Clearly, you're not going to go out in public, I hope, and do that with your sounds because... Mm. Yeah, I think you know why, right? Mm -hmm. So there you have it. That's it. Short, sweet. You can put a little pic of this on your phone so that 
because um, you'll you'll see it right on the um, on the blog. So you can take a little picture of it for those handy moments when you want to warm up so you don't overexert yourself, hint, hint. Or you can do a voice note and you can walk yourself through it, just like I did, to remind yourself. Or super bonus points, you can record yourself now and then record yourself again in a couple of weeks after you've been doing these things and see what it's doing for the quality of your voice. You may start to notice after you do this for a while that you begin to experience and hear your voice differently, okay? And this is because you're becoming tuned or tuned, depending on how you want to say it, to a different frequency. One where your voice doesn't just exist as this thing that just magically comes out of your mouth, but it's it's rather an extension. It's an extension of your experience in your body, from your heart, from your mind, one that you can reach out and touch the world with in a way that you cannot do with your hands. So this is, of course, only the beginning. Oh my goodness. Only the beginning of what you can learn and implement as far as vocal hygiene and maximizing your voice's power and potential. But you got to start somewhere, right? So enjoy a long life with a healthy voice, okay? Okay. And I, I personally am inviting you to book a wee chat with me at Tea with D. We'll have a Zoom call and we'll have a cup of something we both like. Well, I mean, whatever you like, whatever I like, and we'll get to know each other a little bit. And there's a link in the blog, you can click. And I'll tell you all about my signature Tea with D transformation coaching for women. All right. I love nothing better, nothing better than helping women really unleash all of the wildness and potential that they have in them, in their voices and their whole beings that's just waiting to emerge. So when you are ready, I will be waiting. Link below if you want it.